Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Welcome to Houston Sports Talk's live Texans postgame show. And kudos to all of you who sat through it. Robert Land alongside my co-host, Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani, who just left the Texans locker room out at NRG. I'm going to turn the music down a little bit. If you're new to the party, it's worth noting that between the two of us, 45 years in journalism, 35 covering Houston sports. And this game felt like 35 years. What an awful way to spend a Sunday, Sean. And I've seen all I want to see at Davis Mills. Do I have to watch him anymore? Man, you know, I I wish there was a World Series game tonight so I'd have something to look forward to. (laughs) Maybe there's a good Sunday night football game on. I don't know. But I was was kind of right there with you, man. I mean, the, the, the energy never really entered the building today. I mean, it was uh, about as sparse a crowd as we'd seen for uh, any home game to to date this regular season. And Derrick Henry and the uh, Texans' lack of offense certainly um, killed any chance of their decibel reader monitor going crazy today. Like, they had that up a couple of times, and I just don't believe the numbers even approached the triple digits. It was awful to watch. Uh, luckily, I took a pause break, and then I sort of recollected myself and, <laughs> and continued to watch. Good job that. by you. Good job pressing the pause button by you. Uh, Hopefully, you watched something entertaining while you were doing that. You can't press the pause button when you're in the press box, though. It's, that's <laughs> that's the rough part, right? <laughs> right. You just, well, you know, you duck out, go get a you know cup full of M&Ms, take a bathroom break, and come back and, you know, hopefully – you missed something good along the way, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> hey, Texans fans, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for making it through this, guys. We did it. We got through this game. Oh, it was terrible. Uh, just a reminder, uh, we want to hear your comments. And one of the things I want to talk about, I don't know if Sean wants to talk about, is it time to change quarterbacks? Do we need to see more of Davis Mills at this point to know if he's the guy? What do you guys think? Put something in the comments. I want to hear from everybody out there and make sure to subscribe to, to us on YouTube as well. That's how to support our show. By the way, we've had several thousand listens to our Astros postseason postgame. So come join the party for our Astros postgame shows right after each game. You can always go back and listen later, but we want to, hear from you as the game ends and get your reactions and questions and comments and stuff like that. We talk about them throughout the post-game show. So let's get into this one. We like to take you possession by possession. It's just a way to get into some of the subjects of the game. And Sean, let's start off with uh, the Titans' first possession. And after a huge Derrick Henry run, which there would be plenty of those, Jerry Hughes with the big sack and our old friend Randy Bullock does what he did a lot when he played when he, in Houston, and I got to see those games up close. He misses a field goal. <laughs> he missed two of them. You know, he kicked the uh, first one you know, on the penalty, uh, which moved him up five yards on the uh, offsides call for the Texans. And he missed it. It wasn't even close. Um, and then he kicks the other one, and I, I can't remember the exact yardage, but, I mean, my gosh, it was it – was, my immediate thought right there was nobody – gets the opposition to play down to their level better than that of the Houston Texans. That's like one of my main takeaways uh, for the season thus far, because going into every single game, I'm not a big better, you know, mainly because I suck at it. Uh, But I look (laughs) at the lines and I don't know what the Texans are against the spread, you know, what their record is like in terms of covering all this crap. 
But I, I do know this. People go into these games with the Texans expecting them to just get the brakes beat off of themselves. And some way, somehow, they find a way to keep the darn things close. And that was just one of those little microcosms in this ridiculously silly, stupid, bad game was that Bullock misses those two field goal attempts, the one that really mattered, missed. And I'm like, boy, this is going to be ugly, just like it always is when it involves the AFC South, just like it always is when it involves the Houston Texans against anybody. And Derrick Henry, if, if, if he really wanted to, if Mike Vrabel really wanted to not run Hilliard today and not run quarterback keeps with Malik Willis, Henry could have gotten 300 yards and notched himself in the history books today against this Texans run defense. No question about it. And, you know, uh, we're going to get to the numbers in a bit, uh, the the big picture numbers, but let's go to the next Texans drive because they go down the field, very similar to last week on their first drive, but on third and five with no pressure on him. Mills throws a terrible interception when he was trying to find Jordan Akins. Yeah, uh, that was the one picked by uh, Fulton, right, on a third and five. That killed a eight-play drive uh, for the Texans at that point. Um, and that I, – I didn't I, – you said it was intended for Aikens. I'd have to go back and look at that because that was a weird route. And oddly enough, that was a route concept that I'd seen the Texans work on in practice um, a couple of times this past week that we were, we're allowed to watch 30 minutes, maybe 25 minutes of practice – uh, about three three days out of the week. That was a route concept that Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills and the quarterbacks were working on with those tight ends. Um, and they'd worked on it in the red zone, but I, I recognized it. And so I that's supposed to be like a little rub route and you have to make sure, I guess it would have been Jordan has to get out and really clear. And so if that ball was really intended for Aikens, then Brevin did not do a good job of clearing out because it didn't look like either one knew who the ball was going to go to. Unfortunately, it just went to the defender. Um, that's, to me, that's very fundamental football um, at, still at this stage. And this Pep Hamilton offense, as kooky and creative as they like to you know, say that they are. Huh? <laughs> the Rex, Rex <laughs> what? Burkhead running back pass in the red zone you know, that went for not like it. <clears throat> yeah. We're going to get to the Rex Awful. Burkett. I, I want to, I just want to go back to what exactly we're talking about here because two receivers were in the same area yeah. and I have never seen an offense <clears throat> with this much of an issue with communication, whether Davis Mills thinks the guy's going one way and he's going another way, whether the receivers are both in the same area on a pass play and you, you don't notice it all the time, except the Texans, every time there's two guys in the area at the same time, the Texans throw to that area where there's two guys. So, you know, like, Oh yeah, there's two guys in the same area. What is going on? And there was a pass play later in the game when they were in the red zone where it just felt like, why is everybody taking so long to get out of their routes? And it was one that Davis bills ended up taking a sack on, but I was like, what? I mean, Pat Hamilton, come on. This, this guy is an NFL offensive coordinator? Come on. Technically, yeah. You know, I, the more and more I watch, 
um, the less convinced I am um, in regards to Pep, but it, it requires uh, a different kind of breakdown for me to adamantly, uh, you know, say that, all right, this is Davis Mills uh, just not being a good quarterback. This is Pep Hamilton just outright being a lousy offensive coordinator. Um, because at the end of the day, there has to be some synergy. There has to be continuity. You have to have talent. You have to have dudes, Robert. And the Texans just quite simply don't have a lot of dudes um, offensively or defensively. You know, that's a bigger conversation, but we're just talking about offense. They don't have a lot of playmakers, man. They just really don't. And Brandon Cooks, say what you will, and Lovey talked about it this past week. You know, look, maybe he's a top 20, top 25 receiver in the league still, um, despite his bad starts uh, to the season and drops. You know, he's having issues with that. Dudes show up and show out, you know. Um, while, we're, you're, while you're mentioning Cooks, you, you, you caught up with him in the locker room, right? Yeah, I mean, I was in on a couple of scrums. Um, it, it was the first time that he'd made himself available all week. Um, you know, he ditched his podium on Wednesday to get a lift in. Um, and speculation, of course, was to do anything and everything possible to avoid asking or rather answering questions in regards to his uh, trade status. The trade deadline is coming up November 1st. So keep an eye on that. I think it's 3 p.m. Central uh, time on November 1st. He was asked four times in regards to uh, trade rumors. And each of the four times he'd said, we're going to keep that in-house. It's going to stay internal. And I don't really want to talk about that at this time. So that was Brandon Cooks. Outside of that, he was asked a couple of questions in regards to how putrid the offense looked tonight um, and just the inability to sustain any drives. And he just quite simply said, hey, look, you know, we're, we're on the same page and we're going to have to go back to the drawing board short week and kind of figure some stuff out. Um, nobody was really in the mood to talk about this one, but the the overall, I, I think, message from even Lovey and the guys in the locker room was that, hey, it's a short week. It's a good thing because you get to kind of get this bitter taste out of your mouth and go focus on the Eagles. Here's what I say. You're just coming off of a game in which Brand, uh, Josh Jacobs ran amok on you with the Raiders. Derrick Henry does Derrick Henry things as he always has against this Texans franchise, and that's do nothing but set records. Now it's him, Adrian Peterson, and O.J. Simpson, the only three guys with more 200-yard rushing games, which is six, than anybody else in NFL history. And now you've got Miles Sanders and a Philadelphia Eagles squad that, quite honestly, is maybe the best team in the entire league right now. It might be inarguable at this point. And then you've got Saquon Barkley after that. You're in the midst of just this gamut of running backs when your defense is just in shambles right now. So short week? No, I don't think so. I think the Texans wish they probably had about 14 days off to figure this, uh, you know, lousy display of effort because you can not have dudes, Robert, but you can go and you can play hard and you can put your helmet in somebody's chest and make tackles. And they were bouncing off of Henry, bouncing off of Hilliard, if they were even lucky enough to be in the neighborhood after getting blown off the line by the Tennessee offensive line. I mean, getting to the second level for Tennessee today, I mean, it was just – it was too easy. It was too easy. I mean, you, could, you couldn't do better on easy mode if you played Madden right now. Yeah, everybody looked like Earl Campbell, so that's why I'm wearing my Oilers cap. I'm also wearing it to remind everybody that – 
Hey, the Oilers belong to Houston. You don't get the Oilers Titans. Just that's all I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> Texans defense next possession does does come up with a three and out. A couple nice plays by the rookies on second, third down. Petrie slows down Henry in the backfield, and Christian Harris with good coverage on a short pass over the middle. I want to get back to Christian Harris in a bit, but the Texans respond with their own three and out. Third and eight. Mills and Cooks. I've said it before. I'll say it again. They weren't on the same page. And we've seen that story before. Ensuing punt, Texans special teams, though, they make something happen. Here's a positive. Tremont Smith does a beautiful job getting his hand in, knocking it loose. The special teams, Sean, it's the best Texans unit by far, but it's a low bar to jump. And even the special teams had a couple of penalties in this game. Uh, That's a good point. I was going to say the same thing. Um, Easily, the Texans special teams unit, they can play with anybody in the league. Um, I mean, I don't know what the Eagles special teams looks like right now, but I mean, if there was a weak facet of their game, um, boy, you give them the Texans special team unit, they might not lose a game all season. But today was actually the first day, as you mentioned, where the Texans special teams um, made a couple of uh, uh, mistakes. And that was really the first time all season long I can recall. I mean, too many men on the field. um, And I think there was maybe an illegal block. those are two that kind of off the top of my head, maybe that was it really, but they still, Tremont Smith has been one of the more valuable players on Texans special teams this season comes up big too. You talk about turnovers. It's something the Texans weren't able to get against the Raiders last week uh, or two games, two weeks ago, whatever, coming off the bye week. Um, It's all kind of running together now, but turnovers is what is the only thing that is going to keep this team in games, even when their offense is clicking. Uh, because the defense is just unable to stop anybody. And so you thought, like, when Tremont Smith forced that fumble out and gave the Texans an extra possession, this is nothing but a good thing, especially given the point that Henry at the time had already had runs of 41, 20, and I think 29 to that point. Justin McCray, not a good game. Speaking of penalties like we were a second ago, holding penalty on first down basically Mm -hmm. shuts down another golden opportunity after Pierce Broke about five tackles on a screen pass. Sean, I guess a positive is at least Pierce is being used in the passing game a little bit more, or, or he was in the first half for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought they did that uh, a little bit more last game, if I recall. Um, yeah, it's it's happening. It's happening. And, 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 you know, look, it's important because what that says to me is that he's been a guy uh, that that's really – you know, sunk himself in completely to, to um, the offense. Like he's understanding what he's seeing from a defense. Now you can trust him on blitz pickup and in pass protection on some of those third down situations where defenses are, they're just going to put their head down and they're going to go, go after Mills, which they did again today. And, you know, I don't know how many times Mills was sacked. I got to look at the box score, but it was probably three or four. And um, I, I, I hesitate to say that all of them were maybe, on Mills, either you get the ball out faster than that. I mean, he backpedaled right into one. I can't fault Laramie Tunsil on that one. I mean, he just backpedaled and I took an eight, nine, ten yard loss on that one, and it was just ridiculous. But Pierce's usage is a good thing. It was just unfortunate because today that Tennessee Titans defensive line was in the backfield. I mean, you know, check please. They were back there all day. Like the the offensive line was probably the worst that we'd seen all season long in terms of run defense, pass protection, you name it. They couldn't get it going. 
The Texans, though, get their second turnover of the game and their next defensive possession. Steven Nelson, the interception on a bad throw by Willis. Big return down to the 11. The Texans don't run the ball once after that. A Burkhead halfback pass. I'm going to let you get to that in a second, Sean. A Mills incompletion that's not even close. And then Mills, Mills holds on to it too long. One of those times you were talking about, he gets sacked. Fairbairn nails, nails the field goal. But Sean, your best offensive weapon at the 11-yard line doesn't even get a look in those downs. Not one look for Damian Pierce. The only reason you were able to kick a field goal during that possession is because Steven Nelson is a badass this season. Got that pick, returned it to the 11, and put you in position to where, as bad as you were, you couldn't hardly force your way beyond field goal. And they almost did. They lost 13 yards on that drive. 13 yards they lost after starting on the 11-yard line. And it's ridiculous. We're talking all season long, before the season starts, about putting Davis Mills in the best possible position to succeed. And within a game, within a drive, you start him off on a possession in the red zone after your defense makes a play, gets you the football back, and you're going to trust Rex freaking Burkhead to throw <laughs> into the end zone and nearly get picked off. Like, that ball really should have been intercepted because it was in traffic. And the Tennessee Titans secondary, they looked like just world beaters today with some of the crap that Mills was throwing into coverage, double, triple coverage. And you let Rex Burkhead throw the football there. Like, what are you doing if you're Lovey Smith? Like, I'm going and I'm ripping the headset off and the play sheet away from Pep Hamilton at that instance. You know, never mind that because he actually approved it. He approves every single call that goes through a headset. So he said, eh, sure, let's go ahead. Let Rex throw that sucker. What about your quarterback that you're trying to develop, that you're trying to figure out on whether or not he's the future or not? No, get out of here. That ship has sailed whatever you want to use, whatever term you want to use, this is not about developing anything. This is about playing out the fiddle. Let's get this season over with. Let's get our draft picks in order. We got 12. Let's see if we can accumulate 13, 14, maybe in a trade with Cooks or, you know, whatever other slap they think they can deal before November 1st. And let's go get ourselves a quarterback. Davis Mills ain't going to be it. And you know how I know how? Because they let Rex Burkhead throw a ball in that situation. You're trying to get your quarterback's confidence up. You're trying to make him succeed, and they're done with it. They washed their hands. When that happens, you've washed your hands with it. So I don't want to hear one more conversation about Davis Mills. Oh, is, there, is it possible? No, it's not possible. He's done. He's finished. He'll never be a franchise quarterback in this city ever. Yeah, I'm done with him, and I frankly don't see the point in the next few games of just continuing to roll him on out there. Why not throw at least Kyle Allen so you can maybe look and see if Kyle Allen can be a decent backup because I don't even know if I want Davis Mills backing up at this point. He is pathetic. He's not somebody that I trust and just like, okay, all we need to do is hold on to the ball and control things and get an occasional five and 10 yard third down for us, you know, basically um, not even try to win the game. I, you know, you just want somebody to hold on to it as a backup quarterback. Let's see what Kyle, I mean, now we're playing to see who's the 
the backup next year because the Texans have got to draft the quarterback now. They have to. Yeah, you might draft two. Kyle Allen ain't it. Kyle Allen, okay, backup, fine. You could find a billion backups. Like, there's a billion backups that you could go get, and you're fine. I'm just reading through my notes here. You know, we like to go possession by possession. This- do, 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 do I have to? But, Sean, <laughs> I'm asking for everybody out there that's saying the same thing. Do I have to see more Davis Bills to, to get a read on who we do we no, do we need no. to see him? There's no read on anything. It's we're gonna throw a healthy body out there and we're gonna try to go move the ball, move the chains, and just you're you're playing the fiddle out. You're just playing to play at this point. You're, there's no development. There's not it's not happening. You know how I know? Because Burkhead threw a football in that situation. And in the very next play, Mills throws into triple coverage and misses O.J. Howard. And in the very next play, he backpedals into a freaking sack on just fine protection. When instead of going backwards, you're supposed to be stepping up into the pocket to your left around Tunsil's protection. And that doesn't happen. And you know what happened after that? The offense got booed off of the field. They should have turned the decibel meter on at that point in time because that was as loud as it got all day in here, unless it was Titan fans, which dominated the lower bowl, were cheering for Derrick Henry in one of his two touchdowns or his 40 or three 20-plus yard runs. That was as loud as it got. There is no experiment needed going forward with Davis Mills. Any conversation about as such is just garbage. It's moot. It's filler on any radio station, any podcast. If you hear somebody talking about, well, you know, let's see about that. No, it's garbage. He's not a quarterback for this team. If he plays next week and beyond, Kyle Allen, whoever, it does not matter. They, they're not going to be a part of the future. I mean, the future is let's see how bad we can be with these healthy bodies at quarterback. Yeah, I, I guess the thing is, okay, neither guy is the future. I get it. But at this point, for the sake of the rest of the team, maybe throw Kyle Allen out there, somebody that – least might know where the wide receiver is going to go on routes or something like just to give us something of entertain, like throw him out there, see what he does. I don't care. I don't want to see any more Davis mills. I've had it. Why? Why? What if you put Kyle Allen out there and he looks like a cognizant, like a competent version of Davis mills and you accidentally win some games. Like they don't want that at this point. What you're one five and one. And you're gonna you're in the midst of this gamut, like the toughest part of your schedule to date, where you're facing. Let's be honest. As bad as the run defense is, I mean, these guys would be tough for anybody's defense because you're talking about Jacobs, Henry, Sanders, and Barkley. All of those guys are within the top ten um, in yardage for running backs in the entire league. They're really good, and they're going against up the very worst. And so you can have a tough go of it regardless of who's a quarterback, regardless of who's able to move the chains a little bit. The Texans don't want to take that chance. If Davis Mills is not quarterbacking this team, it's because his ass gets his you-know-what put in the dirt. And he's got a concussion, and you got to go with Allen at that point in time. And then, then it's all hands on deck from there on out. I mean, beyond that, I mean, Jeff Driscoll might be getting a call if he's available somewhere. Okay, well, let's. I want to go through a couple more possessions just for the sake of a little fun here. And Tyson's forced a Titans forced a punt after a couple of first downs. So the Texans defense holds the Texans defense in the first half of games, or sometimes for the first three quarters, 
they're, they're giving up a lot of yards, but they actually keep you in the game most of the time. As bad as they've been against the run, they've done that. But the Texans with another three and out, Pierce with nowhere to run. As I talked about with NFL fantasy expert Andy Rio this week, I have Andy on every week. He knows his stuff. The Titans have one of the best run defenses in the league, and they shut down Damian Pierce, 15 carries, 35 yards. Then the Texans special teams finally blow it. They give the Titans good field position on a poor punt. That leads to Henry's 29-yard touchdown. And this is what I wanted to ask you about, Sean, because I was paying attention very closely today to one Christian Harris. The third-round pick gets a lot of playing time. In this one, he got a lot of playing time last week. He runs right into a Titans blocker on this uh, Derrick Henry touchdown. He's got good speed, but every time I watched him, he would run, he would find the offensive lineman that he, he shouldn't run into, and he would run into him. If he went left, he was supposed to go right. If he went right, he was supposed to go left. And I know it's early, but instincts are instincts, and they usually show up quickly in NFL linebackers, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Uh, he looked bad. You know, you mentioned a couple of things where he's getting just blocked by offensive linemen on the second level. He got to Henry a couple of times, and one in, one time in particular, I can't even really call it a stiff arm because Henry didn't even really need to extend. Like, it looked like he could have just blown, you know, on Harris, and he would have just kind of fallen back. I mean, Harris's angles of pursuit, I don't care if it's Derrick Henry or Hilliard or, you know, any slap running back in the league, it still comes down to angles and being in position to make a play. And I, I just was not impressed. I thought it was a bad day for Harris. I thought it was another bad day outright for the linebackers. I, I just, I hate their angles of pursuit. I hate their lack of toughness. Um, I, I just, maybe Harris looks better in a better linebacker core, but today will make you rethink everything that you thought you knew about Christian Harris. Like, I, I I gotta see more uh before I make anything, you know, definitive on him. He's a he's a maybe a victim of circumstance and a product of a bad defense right now. Um and maybe he can be a part of the future, but man, and you know, look when you're going up against Hall of Famers and Derrick Henry's a Hall of Famer, guys are gonna look bad. Um, but still at the end of the day, to me, it just kinda comes down to football, right, Robert? I mean who cares who's at running back? It's about angle of pursuit and Derrick Henry, eight, nine years in the NFL, still doing his thing. And you're a rookie. You're supposed to have a little juice and, you know, piss and vinegar about you. Like take a better angle of pursuit and even get in the neighborhood of sticking a helmet in the guy's chest. That didn't happen today. With cornerbacks, with quarterbacks, with tackles, with offensive linemen, those guys can take a little bit to figure it out in the NFL. I, I find after watching the league for almost 50 years now that linebackers and running backs, you know, pretty quickly if they get it or they don't get it. Those are very instinctual positions way more than the other positions. And yeah, there's some things that guys can learn, but it, it just seems like when a guy flashes right off the bat at running back and linebacker, he, he's going to be good. And if he doesn't, it, it doesn't usually come. Yeah, and where's where's the flash been so far? I, no. whew, I and you know, look here's here's the thing. Can I make a real quick point? I know we're talking about linebackers real quick, but I, I don't want our conversation to 
to go on without me making this point, um, you mentioned the Texans defensively. Their ability today to as much yardage as, as much yardage as they've given up in on possessions and drives, like they were able to get stops, you know, quite a few times today. You know why? Yeah. Especially in that first half. Do you know why? For some reason, for some reason, they were letting Malik Willis throw the football down the field. When that happened, if not for Roy Lopez sacking Wills on a third and two, um, if not, I forget who else sacked him. Jerry Hughes got a sack. Uh, Okoronko got a sack. I think they were all on big third down conversions. After on second down, you let Will, uh, Malik Willis throw the football. Why? The only success that Willis had in throwing the football was on the exact same type of throws that we get frustrated at seeing Davis Mills make, the little check down crap, you know, and you, you make a guy miss, like those little screen, the little bubbles, the little flat routes. That's it. When the Tennessee Titans figured out in the second half, like, we don't need to throw the football at all. We're going to run it like 16 consecutive times before Willis, like, had a brain fart. And, you know, on a third and eight, I think, inside the 10 or 15-yard line, he lets it fly, which I didn't even think should have counted. I was actually hoping he would have he stepped out of bounds before he let that ball fly so I could talk about the fact that we might not have a completion from the 621 mark of the third quarter for the entirety of the game. And then the Texans end up screwing everything up by – moving the ball and scoring a touchdown in their final possession. Messed up my historical article that I was writing. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I want to thank Juan for the comment. Yeah, we experienced the definition of a bad offensive team. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. It was pretty pretty rough. Uh, just a couple, of th- a couple of things before the half. Texans show a vanilla formation on a third and one. Titans D meets Pierce in the backfield. It was so obvious they were running the football. Pep continues to show no creativity. I think we've touched on that enough. The Texans stopped the Titans right before the half. The second half, Texans with the first down to start things off, but get nothing after that from there. The Titans, you said it, Sean. At this point, they finally figured it out. They said, screw it. Why aren't we passing the football? What an idiot. What an idiot. Forever thinking about passing the football. And they run it down the Texans' throats. Nine plays, 65 yards, no passes. Derrick Henry touchdown. Then the Titans go 12 plays, 81 yards. Again, all on the ground. Sean, the Texans were the second worst defense in the NFL last year. They gave up 142 yards per game. This year, they're dead last in the league, giving up after today, 100. And I did the math on this. So I, I think it's right. 186 yards. I had to look at it twice. Tragically, they're giving up 44 more yards per game this year than last year with the same defensive coordinator. The personnel slightly different on the front seven, but not tremendously different on the front seven. I think the secondary is a lot better at tackling and just better overall. Today, they gave up 314 yards, seven yards per carry, and Sean, 25 of the 26 plays in the second half were run plays. Yeah, it went probably with the exception of that one pass that I'm talking about where uh, Willis let it fly inside the 20 um, for incompletion. And that was actually a possession where if Vrabel would have figured it out, like we don't need to run Derrick Henry into the ground against this Texans team to win the game today. Let's go with Hilliard because Hilliard actually had better yards per carry against the Texans 
uh, on the ground than Henry did, who compiled runs of 41, 29, a couple of 20s, 11, 12, 9. I mean, he was getting chunks every single time, with the exception of like maybe a drive or two in the first half where the Texans limited him to 3, 3, 2, and negative 1 yards. Then after that, it was 8 and 20, the 29-yard touchdown run. So, like, I, I even – I still think Vrabel even kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit. Like, this should not have been a game. The, the, the Tennessee Titans should very well have been up 21-3 to in this football game. But I didn't think that they ran Derrick Henry the way that they should have. Um, I would have liked to have seen more Hilliard if I'm, you know, the Tennessee Titans and let Henry finish some of those drives – um, in the red zone. And then this could have been a far uglier game of the box score. The sad thing of is, is people are going to look at this game and they're going to be like, oh, there you go. The Texans, they played another close one, had a chance to, you know, tie or win late. No, they didn't. Not in any world in this universe did they have a chance to do anything in this football game. If they weren't shooting themselves in the foot offensively or defensively, then a Tennessee Titans would have just put them out of their misery themselves, get them in the guillotine in this thing. And I, I, I just thought like, don't give Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans too much credit on this one. Like if you're going to credit any one individual for, for this victory, it's Derrick Henry because he's an absolute freak of nature. And he would do this against a lot of teams to be quite honest with you. Thankful for him and his hall of fame career. He gets to do it against the Houston Texans at least twice a season. Sean, I know the offensive line has got some issues, and I know the Texans wide receiving core is pretty poor. However, the Texans have quite a few draft picks this year. After drafting that quarterback in the first round, I would be fine if they spent every single draft choice on the front seven. I mean, it is so bad. I just don't understand that you could even be this bad like even if you're picking guys off low low guys off a of free agency, even if you, you know, you got to find somebody off the street occasionally. I mean, uh, Jaleel, who they picked up off the street, he actually made a couple of tackles in this game, and I was like, well, at least he was able to wrap up and stop a guy, and it wasn't ten yards down the field. I mean, the rest of these players, they they never do that. It's it's always and and they're just consistently running backs are bouncing off of Texans players like it's a pinball machine. I, I just don't know how you're this bad. And this is where I'm a little concerned already about Nick Casario. Really good draft, I think. Uh, Pierce, obviously a total steal in the fourth round. Kenyon Green, not the best day for him. There was a play early on where he just gets blown up and thrown back into Damian Pierce. However, Overall, I think Kenyon Green is going to be a very good offensive guard in the NFL, and that was a hit. And Jalen Petrie seems to be a hit to me personally so far. I yes. think that was a hit in the draft. Yes. Derek Stingley, I have a lot of confidence in that he is going to be a really, really good player. That's four really good draft choices for a Texans team that rarely gets more than one or two right in the draft. So that part is good. My concern is... Casario had to sort of piecemeal this front seven. And what we've seen so far from the piecemealing is just a lot of junk out there. I can't believe you can't find anybody that's just even a little bit worthy of NFL quality in this front seven. 
money. It's going to cost a little bit of money. You know, they were able to get like hometown discounts for a 13 year veteran and Jerry Hughes, who gets to come home and play at his hometown. Um, who was him and Mario Addison were actually pretty good players still their last couple of three years in Buffalo playing together up there. Um, but look, they're, they're uh, at the end of the road, you know, their NFL careers and they're playing on a bad defense and they're trying to mentor and bring along some young guys and teach them the ropes in the NFL. But the problem is, is they're trying to teach a whole bunch of guys that don't have a, a future in the NFL. They're just another guy um, that you're, you're really just kind of coaching up and, and uh, kind of it's a crash course just to try to make it through one NFL season. And for a lot of these guys on this team still, I really believe this at this point, this might be the only year they ever play in the NFL. Um, in an NFL game, maybe they can bounce around and be some practice squad guys, special team guys, stuff like that. But this roster is just not made up of a whole bunch of NFL players. Like, I want to, I want to reserve judgment and wait and see a little bit longer on a guy like Garrett Wallow. But you know, two weeks ago he maybe looked like the lone bright spot in even uh, last year's draft. Now I'm not even so sure about that, Robert. It seems like Nick Casario has hit on every single one. You just ran through the list of the 2022 guys that he drafted. They all look pretty damn good. And for Kenyon Green, um, boy, if that dude can stay healthy and get a little bit of dog about him as he grows up in the NFL, and he's certainly playing against the the right or playing alongside the right guy to get that dog uh, from in Laramie Tunsil, I, I think the future is really bright for him. I think Damian Pierce, if that dude stays healthy, he's going to be special. Um, and it's a damn shame that he has to waste a year of his career, um, you know, on this team right now, which is doing absolutely nothing for him. I mean, the question now becomes is like, are you putting Damian Pierce in the best possible situation to succeed to hell with Davis Mills at this point in time? Because the answer is clearly no. But what about Damian Pierce? Are you putting this guy in the best possible situation to succeed on this offense when the only way that you can typically run the ball, unless it's today against the Tennessee Titans run defense, is run Damian Pierce? He couldn't even get the job done today. Is that offensive line just looked putrid um, across the board uh, to, to sustain anything? But I think going forward, Nick Casario is going to have some money to play with next year. You certainly have the draft capital um, until he proves otherwise. Uh, the faith isn't a guy who looks the part, sounds the part, and certainly you have one year of a really good draft to go off on in Casario. So I got a little bit of faith in him next year. And I think rightfully so, but. I think you're going to be looking at another overhaul of a coaching staff beyond this season. you got to get a young guy in here, Robert, um, that's hungry, that wants to prove himself, that's innovative, that, 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 that just has some stones. You know, I don't want to hear all this positive crap um, that we've been hearing. Like, this is week eight. We get, you got ten more weeks I don't want to hear if you're getting the brakes blown off of you. Well, let's talk about the positives. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're, it's, it's hard to talk about any positives. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fish for them occasionally because what at some point you got to talk about something. But Larry, yeah. Larry says uh, the interior line on both sides of the ball is atrocious. We agree with you, Larry. I think that's a, a statement of the obvious. <laughs> Love said it, as much this past week. He said, to the interior of our defensive line has just got to play better. And it's like, okay, 
Well, how do you combat that? Like, uh, you know what Heinish, you know what Roy Lopez has been giving you thus far. It's like, let's see some other dudes. You have other dudes on there, um, you know, a practice squad or go out and sign somebody that has a little bit of gall, has has something to prove, something to show, like a Jaleel Johnson did today for them. You know, you mentioned him, and that was like the only guy that was like that, that flashed for me defensively today. It's like, who made a play? Like, who really was like, wow. Okay, Roy Lopez had a sack, but did he really? Like, kind of ran into that one. Uh, Jerry Hughes, was nice. Okay, but where have you been since week two? Um, you know, yeah. The, the fr- uh, forget the front seven for a second. D- Desmond King continues to play really good football, and it gets lost in the shuffle. But Desmond King's done a, a hell of a job. You know, Petrie is flashing. We we talk about Petrie and Singley, but they continue to show some things. I, I still want to see more man coverage. I don't know if that's going to happen with the levy defense, but if you're going to take advantage of Stingley's talent, it's there's no point in putting him in zone. It's it's a terrible idea. And Here's if you're going to make the if you're going to make the most of a guy that's a fantastic athlete like him, then you got to put him in man coverage. And and I I just got to say, Sean, that like you you look at uh, the the secondary. And I feel like we would be so much more excited about the secondary if they had a front seven that was worth the darn. These guys have to do everything. They're having to stop the run. They're having to stop the pass. You know, they, they're on the field all the time. And they're not giving up a lot of big plays. Partly that's Levy's design, but they just don't. They don't give up big plays and 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 give credit to the secondary because it sure the hell isn't because the pass rush is getting to the quarterback. It's those guys are in coverage all day long. Yeah, I mean the secondary look they they are doing a, a good job in, in coverage, but you're not going to see a lot of man with this defense. If you did, you think the run defense is bad now? Go ahead and put these guys in man coverage and see what it looks like then. I mean. You can't do it. You have to disguise. You have to have guys that are available at second level to make make those plays. I make guess that. with Stingley though, maybe you could just put him on an island with somebody and leave the uh, leave the rest of it in in zone. You know, I, you go okay. He's a great tackler, and I want him. A, but whatever. Like I don't want Stingley in his rookie year because the defense sucks hurting himself with a concussion or a shoulder injury because he's having to make 20 tackles a game. Like just, you know, go, go shut down. If they've got like a main weapon wide receiver, let, let him handle that, shut down that part of the field that I guess that's my point uh, with, you know, with the defense, but I'm not an NFL defensive. I mean, I don't pretend to know any of this stuff. I just, it gets a little frustrating at times for me that, you know, guys are just wide, wide open down the field. And, you know, sometimes the better receivers get wide open. And I'm like, well, if Stingley, if Stingley's not playing zone and 10 yards off the ball and, and they find a, and they're finding soft spots, then that, that, that doesn't happen nearly as often. Now, as the season goes on, you know, I guess it's who cares. I'm just for, for, to me with Stingley, I, I just want him to get some practice covering guys in man, because if you're going to get good, Sean, He's going to have to do that at some point. I, I understand what you're saying, but um, at the same time, you, you're trying you're trying to um, you're trying to get him to play together and 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 play an NFL defense uh, without getting the brakes blown off of you. And I, I'm just letting you know if you put these guys in man coverage, Derek Henry would have run 350 yards today. If you would have had Ryan Tannehill at quarterback for the Tennessee Titans today. 
those soft spots in a defense that has to play zone because you get run on so much. They have to have guys like Jonathan Owens and Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie come up and stop the run. Um, Ryan Tannehill probably would have carved these guys up and you would have been looking at an absolute uh, just blowout here today. Ryan Tannehill might have looked like freaking uh, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback and blown the brakes off of this so, team. So, so you're so wait a second, you're telling me the run defense could get worse than this? <laughs> it absolutely can get worse than this. It absolutely can get worse than this. The reason why you're seeing a lot of these guys make plays and Jonathan Owens, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley had his opportunities today. And, you know, I, I get what you're saying about him. Uh, you know, as a tackler and him having to stop the run. But you know what? He didn't look too great today uh, as he bounced off of Derrick Henry, took some bad angles, arm tackled himself today against Hilliard even. Um, so when you're asking him, a coverage guy, uh, to yeah, I, I, I just line, for, for his future, I don't want to see him having to t- – if we got to go – if we got to lose by 30 to save Derrick Derek Stingley's future, then let's lose by 30. I mean, I just – I don't need to see him making. I don't. I don't need to see him making ten. I'm just saying. I, you know, let let him get the the sprints in against these better wide receivers. See, you know, you can look at the film later. See what he's doing. I mean, you just said I don't want to see another quarterback because let's just lose right now because we need a quarterback. If that's the if that's the thought process, then hell, then who cares if they if they get 400 rushing yards? I don't care. I mean, this is to me. This is like uh, wow. There, there's a concern of like we're going to get beat worse. We're we're still getting dominated week in and week out, mm-hmm. I, you know. And and if this team, if if they were like really trying to do stuff, and and I'm going to go to one of our uh, commenters who says like if they're going to try to be in games, he said it starts with play calling being way too conservative. If they were trying to win this game, you know, Davis Mills suck. He's not going to get you a, a ten play drive. Why don't they throw the ball down the field? If you're trying to uh, maybe win a game, throw it more than 10 or 15 yards down the field occasionally during a game instead of making Davis Mills have to go 10 plays on 80 yards every time because that ain't going to work and we know it. So, yeah, let, let's let's do something different because what we're doing right now is horrible to watch. It's not getting us anywhere. And in a way, we're not learning a whole lot about particular guys out there by doing it the way that they're doing. Well, and I, I think that's, too, the crux of it is you still do have to to learn uh, about guys. And so you're going to play them um, as bad as things are, as bad as things could get. Um, you still have to see what you have. And at the end of the day, that becomes a Nick Casario decision. And he's like, hey, we need to – I need to see more from this guy um, because – He's going to have to make some personnel decisions here over the course of the next 24, 48 hours via the trade. You mentioned a guy like Desmond King. Don't get too used to seeing him in a Houston Texan uniform, at least in my mind, because he's playing really well. Steven Nelson's playing really well. Brandon Cooks is still a top 20, 25 receiver in the league. Like These are all guys to me that, you know, what are we doing at 1-5-1? and one? Why do you need these guys? Sure, you need some good players, but for at what price? And if you can get, you know, day two, day three picks out of some of these guys, good packages. Um, why not? You have to explore because, and it's not even just about that. Like you, you're hit, you've hit the mid midpoint of the season. Now this is the point of the year where guys start getting beat up and missing games and soft, soft tissue injuries. And maybe the Texans have one or two of those guys that could fill a void on a really good team. And you can get a really good package uh, in two days versus what you couldn't have gotten for them 10 days ago. 
um, because they're desperate and they're competitive and the Texans aren't. So look, by, by all this, you know, conversation that we're having, it's like, well, Damian Pierce, what more do you want to see from him? I mean, I don't want him to run 20, 25 times a, a game and potentially get hurt. You can't operate really that way. But in a game like today where you're still some way, somehow a play or two away from staying in this football game and having an opportunity to tie late, it's stupid. And I'm not talking about getting an onside kick. I mean, there's things that happened in the third quarter and even late second quarter, um, which, you know, Texans, you're not waving the white flag at that point in time. You still have to go out and play football. And I think they have been conservative with Damian Pierce. Frankly, I, I think they are, are doing that. Yes. And, and I think that's the reason that, that and, and he only had 15 carries in this game. And if it were me, I'd run the ball way more because I know what Davis Mills is. I know who he is. Even with this tough t- Tennessee Titans defense, he's the one more likely to make a big play to me than Davis Mills. You're more likely to make something happen. You know, the one, I, I, one thing I want to ask you is specifically on Damian Pierce the play that I love with him is that pitch to the tailback where he gets outside and they're, they're sort of, they sort of got the zone blocking and he gets, and it gets out more outside as, yeah. as opposed to straight up the middle. What do you think about that? I'd like to see that run more often. That was uh, a staple speaking of Earl and the Oilers. That was the staple with Earl Campbell. And it was always a really good play for them back in the day. And I, I well, like that one. If, you know, if you can seal the edge, you know, with a tackle and you trust, uh, you know, your wide receivers uh, to set a block, then you can do that. Absolutely. Especially with a power back like him. You talk about Earl Campbell. Look, he Earl, man, I wish I was I, I got a chance to see him like now today. You know, I was a little kid and barely got a chance to see anything. And it's all highlights. But he was a big power back. He was going to run right through you. Well, that's what Damian Pierce is. He's a downhill runner. He'll lower his shoulder. He's slippery. He's elusive. He'll make you miss. If he doesn't make you miss, he'll run right over you. Okay. Um, but that stretch play is, you know, those were things that we saw when Arian Foster was here as well. Um, but what the Texans did with Arian Foster and Matt Shabby quarterback in a Gary Kubiak offense was they used a lot of bootleg and play action. Yeah. And we, and it, we haven't I, seen that. Yeah. And I, that's exactly what I was thinking as you were saying it, because that that's something that they absolutely can do. It. And, and Juan says this, this is a, his thought on Davis Mills. He said he feels like we're being too hard on him. He said, if you listen to the commentators, their assessment was that, nobody was open to throw the ball to, but you know, my point is, and I don't know what you think, Sean, cause you were at the game. Cause you could see if guys were open and, and, and there was no Nico Collins. It's worth mentioning because I, I feel like, yeah, last year's draft, the real prize was Nico Collins. That was the best pick. And I still like Nico Collins and hopefully he gets back on the field soon. He's got the groin injury, but my feeling with Davis Mills is it's not about this. It's not just about this game. And I, I, I wasn't there. So I don't know how many guys were actually open, but what I will say is I've just seen way too many times where he just doesn't miss guys by a yard or two yards. He misses guys by five. He's not close so much of the time. And it's not just guys being open. It's him learning to get rid of the ball. The, the, one of the sacks, I think it was the one right when they were in the red zone where he just holds it and, and basically doesn't see the guy that's right next to him to his left. And he should have been able to feel that. But he goes right into that guy instead of, you know, feeling the pressure there and moving to his right. It's his feel in the pocket. It's, you know, these 
throws that are five yards over guys' heads. It's the miscommunications that are constant. And it's with Brandon Cooks. I kind of think Brandon Cooks knows a little bit of something about receiving. I'm guessing he's more in the right place than Davis oh. Mills is in the in the uh, uh, right place on those situations. So, I, yeah, it's a lot more than this game, guys. Well, whose fault was it on the uh, Texans' third offensive possession? No, let's see. Was it this? Yeah, the second offensive possession of the game. Um, Mills and Cooks weren't on the same page. I don't even. I didn't even get a chance to see what route it was. Cooks was running a route down the left sideline, and Mills threw the ball, and if it would have had a little more air on it, would have hit Cooks right in the back. Well, Cooks did nothing but slow. That was on third down. Slow down and walk towards the bench because special teams was coming out to punt the football. So I don't know if that was a Cooks mistake, if that was a Mills mistake, if he expected Cooks to break down and a comeback and, you know, come back for that football or or, or what. Like, those are things you got to kind of go back and, you know, see the all 22 and, uh, make your best determination there. Like for the commenter who said, Hey, just listen to the commentators during the game here. They're saying nobody's open. Okay. Well, they got the benefit of like a production crew and they get the chance to like see replay on the TV. I'm sitting in the box and I'm looking, you know, at, at you know, on a bird's eye view. Sure. Yeah. The Texans, they're, they don't have a lot of guys that are open all the time, especially down the field. However, it's not necessarily just that of like, well, the receivers aren't open. Well, why aren't the receivers open? Ultimately, whose fault is that? What does that come back to? Didn't that come back to the offensive coordinator and your passing game coordinator and who's developing uh, the routes run in this offense, like based on the personnel that you have? Maybe you need to figure some stuff out there and realize that, you know what, Teron Johnson and Chris Moore and Philip Dorsett and Brandon Cooks and O.J. Howard and Jordan Aiken, maybe these dudes don't really fit this concept. So you may make an adjustment there. That, that's an adjustment that doesn't come in between quarters, in between snaps or possessions, rather, or even on a bye week. That just comes, you know, like, hey, here's what's working and here's what's not working without trying to get too – Finicky, and I think that's kind of that route concept that you saw, the, the one with, with Brevin Jordan and Jordan Aikens, like, hey, we're going to try to, you know, really do some pick routes here and really flash some guys open. If you're if you're not able to execute that, you can't run away from it. You can't, well, that didn't work, so we're not going to do that anymore. No, you got Brevin Jordan, you got O.J. Howard, you got Jordan Aikens, like, you got some good tight ends here, some veteran guys that have been there, done that, and flashed for you, especially in Aikens and Howard. It's like, let's... Let's really put our nose to the grindstone and try to get some of those concepts working. Don't go away from it. So I think that's what Pep really needs to evaluate uh, going forward if he's given the opportunity, man. I don't know. Like, Well, the commentators, gonna... the commentators, Sean, they, they did say that. But you know what else the commentators said? They said Davis Mills, and they were talking about this early in the game, he has a habit of locking in on his receiver immediately. And the one thing when you watch Davis Mills over and over again, this is another reason why he's just not the guy. Davis Mills does not ever look one way and then another way. He's on his guy immediately. And I never see him look look a safety off. I never see him like fake one way and go. There's never anything, but where is the guy that's there and I'm going to throw it right to that guy as soon as I can. <laughs> you got to have time. 
You have to have time. And the, the Texans do not trust their offensive line to give them the protection, to, to have the time to, uh, you know, go through full progression. You know, let's look looking left, see if we can work that safety over the top on on Cooks, and then, bam, something flashes open underneath or intermediate on the right. If it's oh, door but, set, maybe running across crossing. I, I, I don't just, to do that. I, I don't think that's – I think he's had some t- – there have been – there have been times this year where he's had all sorts of time. The other part about it is he, he should be getting more time because Damian Pierce is a real threat. And I, I, I have a hard time believing. And there was a lot of play action early in this, in the first half of this game, which I like to see. I love play action. You always get more time with play action and they were doing it. And Mills had time that when he threw the interception, he had time. There was nobody around him. There was nobody close. It was a five yard throw and he had all day long well, and and it was it was a it was terrible it was like a rush throw he is peggy panic a lot a lot well, what i'm saying in terms of time it's it, that's a determination i think look i'm just speculating here just based off of what i can see and and the best guess that i can make is well davis mills um through the first was this five six seven games the last i looked was through the first four or five games had like the seventh least amount of time in the NFL amongst quarterbacks to throw the football. Okay. And so if you're Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills and you're looking at this offense, one, they've said at nauseum that they've tried to simplify this this season for Davis to make it easier on the quarterback. Okay. So there's that. That shouldn't be, you know, thrown away. That tells you a little bit about what you need to know in terms of what they think Davis is capable of handling. Okay. So if they know that, all right, well, we're trying to simplify this thing for Davis, but he also doesn't have a lot of time. Well, that kind of puts your back up against the wall, too, if you're a quarterback um, and an offensive play caller, where you would typically like your quarterback to be able to play that game within a game with the safety and open some things up you know, on the right side of the field as he goes left to right, working through a progression to get a safety over the top, you know, have him come down. You know, he's looking at your eyes the whole time. That's That should open stuff up in the intermediary to deep right. And I don't know that Pep is really seeing that. I don't think Davis is able to see that because I don't think they're giving him the opportunity to do that. So you're seven, eight games in, nine, ten weeks into a season, and your quarterback is already trained to operate a certain way within an offense because they don't trust you to be able to do that. They don't trust the line to be able to give you enough time to go through your progressions, which Davis has said numerous times this season already, I haven't been able to get through my progressions. Okay, well, there's a couple of reasons why. One, you don't have the time to do so. You're having to adjust on the fly, escape, roll out, step up in the pocket. Or, like you say, he has happy feet. He gets a little worried has that anxiety, maybe a little shell-shocked, and what does he look to? Screw the progression. Let me go to my check down. That's, that's I feel like, what we've seen more times than not. And it, it's at a point like, you know, could Davis have maybe been better than he is right now on a different system, on a different team, different time and place? Yeah, possibly. I, I think time, place, and uh, personnel are three of the most important factors for a quarterback coming into the league. you got to be in the best possible situation to succeed. And for a guy who was thrown in the fire a couple of different times last year just because Tyrod Taylor got hurt, and now you're forced to play the rookie, um, 
this kind of is what it is. And it's like, well, let's roll with this dude. You know, he's a third-round pick. He's a third-round pick. What are your expectations for that guy anyway? One thing I'll say as far as getting more time as a quarterback, it would sure help if there was a lot more going on in this offense, a lot more misdirection. You know, we've talked about it before. But again, I watch the Chiefs, and that's who you should watch because Andy Reid and his offenses – have consistently been some of the best in the NFL over the last 15 to 20 years. And if you watch Andy Reid and those offenses, there's always something going on. Guys are pre-snap, guys are moving around. Not this stupid stuff where the Texans put two guys in the middle of the line. The, the line moves out, you know, you, part of the line moves out wide right, the other part moves out wide left, and then they move back into the middle or what. Not that kind of stuff. They got they got receivers and running backs and tight ends shifting and moving. And, you know, on a on a play, you might see a wide receiver coming in motion one way. You see a fake handoff to that guy. You see a and then a running back coming the other direction. And then the quarterback hands it off to him. You, you know, there's a there's a, a you know, the quarterback takes the snap. There's a fake throw and then he hands it off to the running back or he hands it off to a receiver coming around the side. I mean, there's. 14 different things going on when you watch the Chiefs offense. When you watch the Texans offense, it's like, man, I mean, my grandmother could figure out who's getting the ball a lot of the time because they don't do anything. There's not the, there's not the misdirection. There's not three or four different things that could happen for a certain play. I mean, congratulations. You threw a halfback pass that Sean loved with uh, Rex Burkett in this one. And, you know, you, you occasionally do a flea flicker. That's fine. But from play to play. You have got to do stuff to really switch things up. And again, if you're not figuring out a way to throw the ball down the field, max protect, send somebody deep, tell Davis if he's open, throw it to him. If not, throw it 10 yards over his head. You know, just do that. And I mean, look, the the, the Texans, when Gary Kubiak got here, it wasn't exactly uh, a, a Dallas Cowboys offensive line of the 90s when he took over. And he would do these play-action rollouts, and it would give his quarterback plenty of time. And if the tight end was open, slanting, then you had that. If not, maybe the receipt, maybe Andre was going deep, whatever. If not, you know, Shab could throw it away, or he could run. Although Shab couldn't run, but that there was an option there. There was several options, and it was a way to give your quarterback more time. If you're doing vanilla stuff, you can't do that. And if you don't have a deep threat, it's easy for eight guys to be in the box. And and it's easy for the defensive guys to all get in there. And, and you feel like you're crowded and you don't have the time. He feels like it's, there's congestion there if you're Davis Mills at all times. It's claustrophobia. And that's what he's getting. But if you throw it deep occasionally and if you mix things up, there's a way to create more time that way that the Texans just don't do. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of great minds in the game, uh, offensive coordinators, and you know for for the last handful of weeks, I watch a lot of uh, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and it just kind of stuck out. We hear about this all the time. If you're not, if there's, if you don't have motion to your offense, then you're just doing it wrong. And having pre-snap motion with your offense. Um, which I actually asked Lovey Smith about a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, man, you know, why? Like if you're as a defensive coordinator, when you're, when you're looking at an offense that has a lot of pre-snap motion, 
how are you approaching that? Like, you have to adjust. And he's like, yeah, you, you got to adjust to preach that motion. I'm like, well, why don't you guys do that to opposing defenses? You know, like, we don't see that a lot. Like, if you know as a defensive coordinator that that that's that's that can be difficult to adjust to because uh, it does – it can show – that you're in man defense or if you're in a zone defense based upon the shifts that your defense makes when they do see pre-snap motion. But then two, if you're doing it with the right player, like maybe a Philip Dorsett or maybe a Brandon Cooks, who are two of the fastest guys that you have at your disposal offensively for the Texans, then immediately what you're doing is creating leverage for them, for you to out leverage defense. If it's off of a wheel route, if, if it's off of something uh, a crosser or a little flat route, whatever the case may be, you're instantaneously creating leverage. And I don't understand why we don't see that stuff. And look, I can ask those questions till I'm blue in the face. I'm not going to really get a real answer. Um, I can just tell you this. Go watch a Sunday football game, Sunday night football game. Go watch the game tonight, Monday night football, Thursday night football. You want to talk about what the commentators are saying. Well, <laughs> nine times out of 10, like, those guys, those color guys, they're former players, and they'll tell you if you don't have motion with an offense, you're just doing it wrong. And I, 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 I don't understand what we're seeing and why we're seeing it with this Texans defense, like who do have athlete athletes. They've got fast guys. They've got smart guys. They've got veterans. Chris Moore, uh, Philip Dorsett, Brandon Cooks, like. You don't have, like, in this extremely inexperienced wide receiver court, Teron Johnson. What can he do? Well, he was supposed to be a guy that could take the top off of a defense. Okay, well, at no point today were you ever in a situation, Robert, where you just had to completely abandon the run game. And Damian Pierce was getting his blocks knocked off in the backfield. I mean, this is probably as beat up as he'd ever been in an NFL football game. Uh, the way that he was getting clobbered behind the line of scrimmage today and fighting through tackles. I mean, even on swing passes and stuff like that, like the dude was a warrior today. I mean, just if you got, if you got in space, like he was few and far between, but you didn't have to abandon the run and go straight strictly to the air. And so you knew you could still show the willingness to run the football and the Texans didn't play off of that at all. It's tough when you're going minus one, minus three or no gain, but just to show, like coaches will tell you that all the time. Well, as long as the defenses see that we're willing to do it, that should be able to open other stuff up for us. But the thing is, is I don't think Pep is trusting in Davis Mills to be able to execute off of a stretch play, bootleg, play action, do any of that stuff. Because if he did, if he trusted him, certainly Lovey knows enough football. There's other guys on this staff that know enough football and seen enough football. Ben McDaniels, for crying out loud, brother of Josh McDaniels, is probably just wanting to gouge his eyeballs out. Like, hey, let's open this thing up a little bit. Let's do some creative stuff. And they're just not seeing it. It's not that difficult. Like, nobody's asking for, like, these super crazy plays. I don't want to see any flea flickers. I don't want to see any halfback passes. But, I mean, use some pre-snap motion, and you can run basic concepts based off of that and the leverage that you're creating with yourself. Um, and guys like Dorsett and Cooks, you should be able to do that. To me, it's just very fundamental, and we're not seeing it for whatever reason. I, yeah, I, I feel like I'm missing something because Casario just watched the Patriots for the last 20 years, and this was not their – they didn't have this vanilla offense under Tom Brady that I can remember. So I feel like, okay – Maybe he's got something that I'm missing. Maybe they're holding something back because it's Davis Mills, which I say don't hold back. Like, if you're going to see if this guy's going to work, 
you got to throw the kitchen sink at this kid. He went to Stanford. I assume he's not some idiot. So like he, I feel like he should be able to handle whatever you throw at him. Most college offenses these days are super complicated uh, as far as motion goes, and they're doing different things out there. Now, Stanford is not one of those teams, and I understand that. But the last thing I, I, I do want to say is how do you get uh, more things going in motion on the offense? How do you make some more stuff happen? I hate the fullback at this point in the NFL. That is like a plotting center in the NBA to me. With all due respect to Troy Harrison, I feel like it's a wasted position. I feel like it's it's not somebody that can break a play open. They threw it to Harrison today. I'm like, that's the that's three yards and that's it because he's not going anywhere after the catch. I used to watch too. it. Yeah, I, yeah. I used to watch that with Vontae Leach, and I'm like, why? What's the point? I feel like if you have if you and it, look. People tell me they're not playmakers on this team. People say, well, they don't have anybody that once they get the ball can do anything. Don't tell me that. Jordan Akins can make some plays out there. Brevin Jordan, we've seen him make some plays. He's dropped, he dropped some passes in the preseason, but when he catches it, he can do some things. He is an athlete. Uh, O.J. Howard, we saw that from him earlier this year when he caught the pass and, and scored the touchdown, broke a couple of tackles to get into the end zone. Um, O.J. Howard is a, was an elite athlete, and he, and he might still have a little bit of that stuff in him. There are guys that can do things, but you know who's not going to do anything is Troy Harrison. And when you have him on the field, there's not, it, it doesn't allow you to do a lot of things. It, it, it basically constricts that. I mean, you can be creative with uh, Harrison in, in situations, but it should be situationally. You know, for teams that carry a fullback, like I'm trying to think back, even when the Texans had Vontae Leach, right, um, which was the last fullback that was like really good here that I can recall. Um, you had Cullen Gillespie and stuff like that, you know, over the years. But those have been guys that you're utilizing them on special teams, and then sub packages, like if you're going to go heavy package and you're in the red zone or you're on a goal line situation, go with a fullback, motion them out, get a, line them up next to the tight end off of a pre-snap motion, set the edge that way. Um, if you're going to run some play action, you can use them in a split back situation where he's crossing the face of the linebacker, get some motion going here. Maybe you run a stretch play with the running back. Like you can get creative in all those things, but they run it all the time. They, they use him a lot, uh, I, I think, for having a fullback on this team. And I, I do agree with you that I think it ha- they're hamstringing themselves by doing that. But Hairston's an athlete, dude. Like, I just think they're underutilizing. Like, if you're going to – if you're going to – I got to look at the – maybe you can find, like, the, the snap counts. If he's an athlete, then I want to see him get the ball and make a play. Do something where he gets the ball so at least people fear him a little bit. If he's that athlete, then I want to see it because I haven't seen it yet. I I just – that's my point is I think they're underutilizing him, and I think they're underutilizing a lot of their players. Like we had a conversation all week long about, hey, potentially seeing more from Philip Dorsett. What did he catch? One, two balls today, Max? Um, I didn't even see him get looked at more than once or twice. And I, I just, I don't understand that. If you can't get a guy. Did Tyrod Johnson, they, did he get a few snaps in this game? Did you I, see him out there? Because that was somebody my, that you they said during the week, you were there when they said yeah. this. They said, this guy can put the top off a of defense. Yeah. That's why we're excited about him. That's exactly what you said. Levy t- said at the press conference. So I, 
like, where was that? Like, where was all that? Because obviously the Titans weren't all that scared. They were loading up on Pierce. I do not see that he got a target today. And so I'd be interested to see the snap count there. I just, my mind, my brain is a little jumbled, you know, at this point in time, because, uh, it's just like Derrick Henry is like yeah. Um, let 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 let's discuss it, that because we got the Eagles game on <laughs> Thursday. Between now and Thursday, maybe you can do a little research and figure out what what's going on with Tyron Johnson and why why you know he wasn't a part of that because they they surely could have used that and th- just that reminds me for everybody out there that's listening. Um, if you're if you're still listening out there after uh, us talking Texans for an hour in this game, but I, I a couple things we're gonna have the Astros post game. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> On Thursday, we're doing the Texans Eagles post game. Uh, Sean, I assume you're good for that. On Thursday, oh yeah. And then on Friday, uh, we we will be back for an Astros post post game if necessary, potentially on Saturday. So. Uh, just every single night, look for us on <laughs> on the feed because we're doing a post game. Um, super excited about it, uh, and, and uh, I, I'm going to give you the last word, Sean, before we get out of here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, look, let me just say this: like we're both a little hot, uh, we, we get emotional, and I'll just speak for myself. I, I get emotional, you know. After games like this, it's very frustrating. Um, I, I, I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like the vibe around here. People aren't excited for football. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I just know something needs to change here. Um, and I, I would just, um, I think this is an important week for the Texans, but I, I on, they're on a short week. There's strong potential here for the best team in the NFL to this point, the Philadelphia Eagles, to come in here and absolutely blow the brakes off of you. And I think uh, that might need to happen because a team that has been theoretically, Robert, in every game in the fourth quarter, okay, this season, am I forgetting one? Am I forgetting one in which they had the absolute brakes blown off of them? They've been in every game in the fourth quarter. I think they need a team to come in and just beat the hell out of them. Because at that point in time, that's when these veterans really have a job to do with these young players. Because you got to figure out a way or answer yourself a question like, man, we got seven, eight games left in this season. How bad do we want it? What are we doing here? What am I doing here? You know, now you can kind of see like if you got dudes that have the grit the gall, what it's going to take to be a part of a team that is in a building stage. You're having to be a part of it, but you're not. I think that's what they need to see. I think you have a lot of guys, young and old, that are like, hey, you know, we're in games, you know, playing out the fiddle, you know, looks good in the box score. We're not getting crushed. Um, no, this was probably the most lopsided one-score game in the history of this franchise that I can recall in which it felt like you got beat by 40. It felt like you got beat by 40, but you lost by seven stinking points. And you, I, I think they need to get the hell beat out of them before they, uh, before this gets uh, to a situation where it's like foobar. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to figure out who's who, what's what. So that that's kind of like all I could say right now to this point. And, Let's talk about this team tomorrow night. I'm ready for that. Yeah. 
Uh, thanks a lot, Sean, for doing this. We're going to talk a little uh, Astros in the postgame as soon as it's over with and hopefully a lot better stuff going on tomorrow night than tonight. Uh, we'll catch be. up with you guys later Gross. for Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. Go catch him over there. It's at Sean Bajani. If you forget, we'll talk to you later. Take care, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.